This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 9.04. Had a little bit of an issue in some sparse areas with some fog earlier today. But right now, clear sailing, sunshine, very calm winds, only about 5 miles an hour, and a high today in the low 80s. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is recommending the use of those updated COVID-19 boosters from Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna add the latest variants of the coronavirus mutation spike proteins to the composition of the shot. It's not clear exactly when the new boosters will become widely available, although some distribution may happen this weekend. Meanwhile, Broome County Health Department Director Mary McFadden says if you are due for a COVID booster, it's best to get one as soon as possible and not wait for that new version. She says a priority is protecting not only the health of an individual, but also those around them. And as we go into the school season in the next few days, there's a concern about classmates, teachers, school staff, and for the rest of the population, relatives and coworkers. She says, stay up to date on your shots. And if you don't feel well, go ahead and test. But if you are negative for COVID or not, you should just stay at home to avoid infecting other people. COVID-19 is still very much present as evidenced by Broome County this week, reaching over 64,000 people who have now been diagnosed since the start of the pandemic. The county passed that mark with 133 new cases reported yesterday. The good news is vaccinations and boosters have greatly slowed the number of new infections, serious illness that requires hospitalization, and deaths. There were no new COVID-related deaths reported in any Southern Tier County this week. Broome County is launching a study to identify and address the challenges facing emergency services agencies in the area. Many working in the emergency medical services have complained about low pay and long hours while dealing with a large number of calls for assistance. Broome County Executive Democrat Jason Garner and 2nd District Broome County Legislator Republican Scott Baker were joined by representatives from the Broome County Office of Emergency Services and Shenango Ambulance Services yesterday to announce the plan for the new study. Baker is also a paramedic. One person commenting on the planned study applauded a review of the system, citing not only the low pay and long hours, but no opportunity for advancement or pension, which can discourage people from stepping up. The comment also pointed to tax dollars supporting other emergency responders like police and fire agencies, but not medical services. WMBF First News Time, 906 Work is already underway preparing to mark the anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terror attacks on the United States locally. Yesterday, volunteers were to gather at the United Way offices on South Jensen Road in Vestal to place 2,977 flags on the lawn to honor those who lost their lives in the attack. The flag installation kicked off the United Way of Day of Caring. The Day of Caring is a community-wide initiative dedicated to recognizing the volunteers and heroes who responded to the horrors of the attack and its aftermath. The effort also remembers the victims. The United Way of Broome County says a formal memorial ceremony will also be held on Sunday, September 11th at 7.10 p.m. At the United Way offices in Vestal, details of those plans will be announced later. 
In Tioga County, Owego Town Supervisor Donald Castellucci Jr. this week announced the town, along with Tioga County Emergency Services personnel, will be conducting a September 11th memorial service as well. That service will take place Sunday, September 11th at the town of Owego 9-11 Memorial in Hickory's Park. Participants and attendees can gather at 7.45 a.m. with that ceremony starting at 8. WMBF First News Time 908. A collaborative effort between local performing arts agencies is returning to offer a special interactive experience for children in kindergarten through fifth grade. The Southern Tier Arts Adventure is coming back to the Robertson Museum and Science Center September 18th after being away for two years. Organizers say the Tri-Cities Opera will perform excerpts from its upcoming Opera Go Round. The Binghamton Philharmonic Orchestra will present Quaver Has a Feeling, a children's book live with multi-instrumentalist April Lucas. The Shore Family Firehouse Stage will be providing a juggler, magician, and balloonist. And the Robertson Museum and Science Center will have several hands-on activities for the children. Arts Adventure will take place from 1 until 4 p.m., On the 18th, organizers say the adventures will be taking place in 15 to 20 minute intervals so families can make their own itineraries. Families should pre-register at www.robertson.org slash event slash arts adventure 2. WMBF News Time 909. You watch. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast kicking off the Labor Day weekend. Sunny today, a high in the low 80s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the upper 50s. Tomorrow, partly sunny, a high in the mid 80s. Sunday, partly sunny. There is a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms midday and after. A high on Sunday in the mid 80s. For Labor Day, a 50% chance of showers with afternoon thunderstorms possible. Otherwise, partly sunny, a high in the upper 70s. And then back to work on Tuesday, partly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms and a high near 80. Currently 57 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Bob Joseph, ready, willing, and able to do this live on News Radio WNBF. It's Friday morning. Welcome to your holiday weekend. Let the weekend festivities get underway. 607-772-1290. Celebrate responsibly. We welcome your calls today. We'll be talking about the dramatic news of federal funding to support battery research and manufacturing at the birthplace of IBM Endicott. Yes, you remember IBM. Now, get set for the shocking developments of lithium-ion batteries. Goodbye, IBM. Hello. Imperium 3. Oh, my goodness. It's a brave new world. So, again, 607-772-1290 is the official number. We encourage you to 
participate in the program if for some reason you're unable to discuss the issues on the air. Feel free to send an email to bob at wnbf.com. We will begin taking calls from you, the home viewer, in just a moment. First, however, let us turn our attention to the town of Vestal, home of Miller Motors. Miller Auto Team, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Super. Hi, Nick Tamaris. How, are, uh, how is everybody doing? Is everybody in the festive mood as we get set for a holiday weekend? Yeah, everybody's excited. Uh, Labor Day coming up on Monday. Um, boy, I'll tell you, it's it's been very exciting. We got a lot of folks that came in um, the other day, picked up their cars. We had a lot of deliveries go out of here, and uh, yeah, we got a nice little uh, weekend coming up here. So, and I think the weather's supposed to be nice, right? Yeah, it looks um, nice for most of the weekend. It's it's looking quite promising. I I think we've had really nice weather generally this summer. I know some people wish we had a little more rain, but generally for outdoor activities, it's been very pleasant. Yeah, yeah, I think it's been fantastic. And you, you know what? Uh, the The sun was out yesterday. It was such a beautiful day. Um, we had a lady come in picking out her car, and it was kind of nice because we were able to show her the brilliant white color that we have in, in the CRV. And the metallic flake in there just danced off the sunlight. It was really, really nice. And uh, she's super excited getting her car, and uh, we have the car in order for her, and it should be her in a short time. So, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of neat. A lot of people are very excited about getting their brand-new shiny cars, taking them out for a drive, and we're doing a lot of deliveries today, so people enjoy them for the long holiday weekend. Now, will people be able to stop in till as late as 6 today? Yeah, so today is Friday. We're going to be here till 6 o'clock. We're going to be here Saturday as well, too. We will be closed for the holiday uh, Sunday and Monday, but then we'll uh, ramp things back up again on Tuesday. And the neat thing is when folks come in, we have cars here to show them. We even have vehicles out there available, and we had a phenomenal month last month. Uh, last month was really, really busy. Everybody's getting ready back to school, and teachers coming in buying all their cars, and uh, had a, and we're hoping to have another phenomenal month again this month. And nice thing is Honda still has some nice rates out there. Like, for instance, if somebody's looking for a new Honda Passport, a uh, great sport utility vehicle, you sit up nice and tall, you got great visibility, or even a pilot, you have financing rates as low as 1.9% financing. They even have Honda loyalty cash out there. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff is happening. Well, it sounds like an ideal time for people to stop in today if they're able, or maybe tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, you'll have something nice to remember this holiday weekend for, the Labor Day holiday weekend of 2022 when you brought bought several new Hondas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice things. we got a lot of customers. They're prior, prior customers. They love their vehicles. They come in. They trade up. And, you know, don't forget, uh, we got a lot of nice certified Hondas out there as well, too. Great selection of used. And Jay Denton over at Hyundai also has a fabulous selection of Hyundais out there as well, too. So a little bit of everything for everyone. Come on in. And, of course, if people want to check out the used inventory, they can also look online at MillerAutoTeam.com. Nick Chimaris, I bid you and your colleagues at Miller Motors all the best for this weekend, and we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Oh, and I appreciate it. You too. And have a great holiday weekend and everybody out there. And we hope to see everybody here this uh, weekend. Take care. 
All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. It's 917 News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. By the way, if you don't have the WNBF app installed on your device, as in your smartphone or whatever other device that you utilize for these purposes, uh, I encourage you to install it. It is free. It's, if I might say so, one of the best apps currently available. And the best thing about it, in my opinion, is allows you to stay connected with WNBF virtually wherever you go. You know, if you go to some place with no Internet service, well, you're sadly out of luck. Can't help you there. But as long as you have some sort of connectivity, you will be connected with WNBF, the world's favorite radio station, in my opinion. Ron in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Say, I'm feeling kind of charged up today, so I want to talk about batteries, uh, but I don't want to be negative. I'm going to try to be as positive as possible. Uh, I was reading today in, uh, we call it the Binghamton Press, but I've got a new name for it. It's the Bifurcated Press, because there are two parts that it branches off. The first part is the the uh, good feeling good newsletter part of the press, you know, the front page and, you know, talking about um, the main end well school team that uh, went to the World Series, won the World Series, all those good news things. And then you've got the other part of, of the paper, which is the feed from Gannett uh, USA Today. And uh, so it's interesting today. I, op- I opened the pa- paper and you've got on page one, Binghamton University gets $63 million for battery work. And like I say, the paper's broken into two parts. And on page A11, the USA Today part of the paper, there's a story about 70,000 emergency room visits for children swallowing lithium batteries. I see that. Uh, those are like yeah. the, those are similar to the button batteries that I saw in Professor Whittingham's lab when I was there the other day. Those, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, Ron. It's yeah. uh, it's important for people not to swallow things. I don't care what your age, whether you're six or sixty or a hundred six. If you swallow something like that, whether it's a battery or anything else, nothing good can happen. So and and let us not misplace our concern. It is not the battery. It is either a lack of information or a lack of supervision. So let us not be worried about the future of batteries. Let us worry most about informing the public of the hazards of swallowing lithium ion batteries and also let's encourage parents to keep an eye on all of their sons and daughters under the age of 21 to make sure that they don't experiment with these batteries. That's another thing. Next thing you know, they're going to uh, probably be trying to taint them with fentanyl to get people hooked on them. You know, it's it's a... There is a legitimate lithium-ion battery industry, and then I'm sure there's going to be a black market, and, you know, we'll have to have a special task force to work on that. Well, Bob, uh, before our great lithium uh, explosion of uh, uh, technology... By the way, you don't mean that literally. 
Well, I, <laughs> no lithium ion explosion. No, it's no like drawing. if you say that now, suddenly people are thinking, "What the new? What happened to the new battery factory?" I heard, I heard about two thirty this morning something that sounded like fireworks. But so that you you meant it figuratively? Yes, I did. But I must point out that if you read the article about the seventy thousand kids who ingested uh, the button lithium batteries. That's exactly what they do. They explode in the esophagus, very dangerous, and they've got to get to the kids very quickly. I just want to make this point. Uh, I don't want to be, uh, and here's a great uh, sapphire word, I don't want to be a Luddite, you know, one who's against progress in technology. But in our good old fossil fuel days, how many emergency visits uh, have we had for kids swallowing lumps of coal or drinking gasoline? So I'm sure there have been a bunch, you know. And what about what about kids who uh, get too close to those windmill blades? What about them? Well, you know, fly high. What can I say? But getting back to the battery thing, Bob, because the university did get $63 million, So I do have a, a question or two about that. Uh, first of all, uh, and here, I, I'm just a layman. What do I know? But what does Binghamton University know? about starting and running a profit-making business. What exactly will be Binghamton University's role? In the story, it says, now this caught my attention too, Binghamton's plan focuses on five core efforts, uh, workforce development, supply chain development, innovation and energy storage, and a battery center. And also number five, for the 63 million is equity and justice. So this is going to be a woke initiative, right? So uh, Binghamton University can hire all sorts of provosts and sub-provosts and people who are going to be inclusion specialists and so on as part of this thing of of doing uh, the battery work uh, with uh, Harvey Stenger in charge. Is that that it? And it's going to create 8,000 new jobs, they say. So get the well. By the way, I, I don't want to be uh, un- perceived as a negative Ned, but we've talked on this program before. When in the history of New York State has any initiative ever come close to producing the jobs that were promised? When I I I encourage people. I will pay you two dollars in American currency for anyone between now and noon if you can tell me a single upstate New York project that's been announced by elected officials that ever came even close to the num- producing the number of jobs that were promised. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Bob. And in the, in the article this morning, it does allude to 8,000 new jobs. I say that the money, uh, what's going to be produced, is going to be more work for people who make ribbons for ribbon cuttings because there are going to be a lot of ribbon cutting, a lot of uh, announcements, and hold your breath for 8,000 new jobs. By the way, here, here's another thing that people sh- should probably observe. Notice that the guy, and I'm not even going to mention the guy's name, the guy who announced this didn't even bother to come to Endicott. Did he? Was he in Endicott? Didn't, didn't he have his minions, somebody in his press office, write this and then send it in the middle of the night? 
Or was he an Endicott? Was the guy who announced this federal money, was he an Endicott? Well, I'll tell you, when they were building the shoe factories, George F. was an Endicott. But again, you answer the question. Was was the guy, and again, let's not, because of HIPAA, I don't want to invade his privacy, but was the guy who made this announcement, or his office, more accurately, who made the announcement, gave the announcement to the newspaper, must have been given to the newspaper by about 3 p.m. Thursday because of their early press deadlines outside Rochester. So for it to make the front page of the Daily Blower today, he gave preferential treatment to the newspaper, then released it to the electronic media this morning. But I see no evidence that the guy whose identity is being protected showed up in Endicott. I mean, maybe he did. I don't see anybody who said, oh, the guy showed up in Endicott to announce this money. Our money being used to support this worthwhile project. But, you know, doesn't he, doesn't he care enough? Maybe because it's the holiday weekend and he couldn't make it to Endicott. Well, Bob, I think uh, he could not make it. Uh, he, had a, he had to be at the emergency room. His kids swallowed a a button lithium battery. Well, His kids was... aren't that young. Well, hey, some kids never learn. Now you're talking about Andrew Cuomo's children, and I will not have that. Keep Andrew Cuomo's children out of it. Or were you talking about Donald Trump's children? Either way, if you're talking about the children, the offspring of the former guys from Queens, let's keep them out of it. They didn't do anything. I mean, their fathers are the ones who deserve the notoriety. But uh, anyway, no, I'm excited. I, you know, as as a, a, a longtime Endicott resident, of course, I, I couldn't be more excited. I was so excited that uh, an hour ago, I was out on the scene at the corner. I was the first reporter out on the scene at North Street and McKinley Avenue. Uh, recording a, a video report, which is conveniently posted on Twitter at Binghamton Now. So I was already there. So let it not be said that I have no enthusiasm for the, the concept. I, I am one of the biggest cheerleaders for this. I, I long for the day of seeing 8,000 people working at an Endicott lithium-ion battery development and manufacturing hub. I think also, Bob, one of the – I forget the euphemism they're using, but, uh, you know, we we had uh, – we have industry, and industry can be pretty dirty. You know about the IBM plume. Industry can be pretty dirty, but they're, they're calling this something uh, like modern industrial process or whatever or, or you know, a high tech, but – they're going to make dirty, filthy old uh, batteries and put all sorts of stuff into the ground, and we're going to be cheering for it and waiting for those eight thousand jobs. And uh, I, I, it, I don't, I don't think so. Well, you know, again, there, I, I say this statement that was issued by a government employee by his people, who we pay for, issued in early morning hours, I say the statement brings up more questions than answers. I want, 
I want that guy to call in and start answering questions because and even what you brought up, you you noted something very interesting about some aspects of of this project that probably need to be more closely examined, not necessarily debated, but at least discussed. Well, I hope so. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm an interested citizen. I, 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 li- I live in the area. I mean, On don't... Side, I, by the way. Again, this, this, could be, this could be the biggest day in the history of Endicott, for all we know. Or, more likely, it's just another Friday before Labor Day. Well, have a great weekend. By the way... Given Biden's inflation situation, $64 million sounds like a lot, but you have to remember, $64 million isn't that much. And by the way, didn't that guy, and again, protecting his identity due to HIPAA, but didn't that guy previously suggest that Endicott was going to get a lot more than $64 million? I thought it was uh, upwards of a hundred million or more. Yeah, that's my recollection, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I appreciate the call. Thank you for celebrating with us. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> it's Bob Joseph. Uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Very cautiously optimistic. I want this initiative to succeed. I want it to produce. Far more than 8,000 jobs. I want it to produce 80,000 jobs. I want that battery research and manufacturing hub to be so successful that Endicott will have to build several parking garages to accommodate all the workers. And there will be a need for at least 20 new restaurants to open along Washington Avenue over the next five years. That's what i want this is bob joseph happy friday to you our number is 607-772-1290 if you want to weigh in on 64 million dollars to develop a powerful lithium-ion research and manufacturing hub in endicott by all means you can also send an email to bob at wnbf.com you wash your hands. News Radio 933, broadcasting from a beautiful studio in downtown Binghamton. We have a microphone and a telephone. That's all you need. That's all you need, folks. And then start your old, not your old, start your own radio program. Go buy a microphone and a telephone, and there you go. 607-772-1290. 
Let's check email. People love email. I do. Here's a note from Natasha. Errors in NYSEG's recent billing statements. NYSEG customers need to pay close attention to any bills that they've received from NYSEG recently or will receive in the mail. Our bill did not reflect our last month's payment, but instead showed a credit amount as the beginning balance of our August statement. Last week, I was able to go online and review our account, and NYSEG did receive our payment and posted it. However, this payment did not appear on our recent bill. The credit they gave us does not appear on our last statement, and we don't know where it came from. To make matters worse, we also received a bill with our son's name on it with our address. However, the service location has his home address. When we contacted NYSEG, they were very vague about our statement and indicated they could not look up our account balance because they're in the process of upgrading their system. Sure enough, when I tried to go online to see our account, NYSEG has posted a statement that some services are temporarily unavailable. That includes being unable to review your own account. They would not give us a reason as to why we received our son's statement. Natasha writes, helpfully, wanted your listeners to know to review their current bills and past bills for discrepancies and to make sure their payments are being posted correctly. I think it's possible NYSEG's billing errors may result in termination of services notices. All right, Natasha, thanks. That's the first I've heard of it. By the way, I'll throw that out there to other viewers. If if you've received a NYSEG bill recently that sounds something like this, what Natasha is describing, please call me now on our super hotline, our consumer service hotline, 607-772-1290. My recent NYSEG bill looked higher than, of course, it looked higher than the previous NYSEG bill, but I figured, well, of course, it's going to be higher. They're paying more for natural gas and whatever it is they use to generate the juiciest power known to man. But I'll have to take a closer look at my NYSEG bill and see see if there are any curious, you know. Oh, look. Look, they also put WNBFs power use on my bill hmm oops um yes if if you've encountered any kind of issues with your utility bill um let me know probably can't do anything about it but well maybe i could find out something because let me see well the other day we were in contact with a NYSEG representative when that transformer explosion happened, so maybe I'll get in touch with her. Maybe she knows something about uh, billing, because nobody nobody would be happy with uh, a billing problem. But if they're going on to uh, a new system, sometimes things happen. If they if they're transferring over to you know, better software, or who knows, shifting their billing operations from 
Anytown, USA, to Bangalore, India, or whatever they might be doing. Uh, I suppose there could be some glitches with the transition, so maybe I'll maybe I'll look into that. It's nine thirty-eight. This is Bob Joseph at your service on a Friday morning. Asking a few questions, always trying to obtain relevant information that will help you and your family survive before the Nutella hits the fan. Listening to WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming on WNBF.com. You want... Dig it. I just sent a note to the NYSEG representative indicating what Natasha reported. And so if we get a response before the end of today's broadcast, I will relay it to you. And by the way, so far, the phone lines are not ringing off the hook. So it suggests to me maybe... This might be an isolated situation, but take a look at your NYSEG bill if you have it handy. And let me know if you see any obvious aberrations. Now, if you just say, yeah, the aberration I see is it's a lot higher than it was this time last year. Well, join the club because I don't believe that's a mistake. That's a sad reality thanks to Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Barack Obama. George Washington. All these presidents are responsible for the inflationary pickle that we're dealing with now. It's a tasteless pickle. Anyway, uh, Dave from Binghamton writes in response to the uh, note, uh, he says the writer's son's bill went to them because he chose them as the mailing address at some point. That's, in fact, very possible. Yeah, I would. I would call uh, my son just to clarify that if, at some point in the past, he wanted the bill that they sent to his parents' house, which is what, if I was a son, that's what I would want to do. As far as uh, any other problems with NYSEG billing, eh, I don't know. I enjoyed the good old days, and I, I know sometimes people think, "Oh, Bob, stop, stop all this about the good old days." You know, they weren't necessarily that good. You're you're exercising what they call selective memory, which is probably true. But I remember the good old days when uh, I could call a guy at NYSEG and Vestal, or I could call a guy at New York Telephone on Henry Street in between transformer explosions uh, or even a guy at the cable company remember 
back in the day on this program and on Tony Russell's program when the guy from the cable company actually came in once a month to answer your questions. Wouldn't it be shocking? Hi. This is the cable guy. Jimmy the cable guy coming in once a month on this program to answer your questions as they did in the good old days. It was great. Dave would come in, and you could call in if you had problems, say, with your cable bill or problems with your cable picture or problems because they dropped one of your favorite channels or whatever. Dave, the cable guy, would come in and answer your questions. Now, if you want if you want an answer from the cable company, well, you're not going to get one in New York State, the only person from the cable company, I think, who's authorized to talk for public attribution, I think she's in Maine or somewhere. So it's the, heyday, the good old days of actually having utilities with local representatives who were authorized to answer questions, um, obviously. Obviously, they don't care to do that. Oh, no, we don't want any local representatives accidentally telling you the truth about what's going on. Uh, Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Yes. Hi. Hi, this is Beverly number two from the town of Dickinson. All right, thank you. What's going on with your nice egg bill? Well, I got the same kind of a bill. There was no balance. The previous balance was not there. It had a minus. You know, twenty dollars, and my total bill was minus a dollar. So I called up NYSEC and I said, "This is a strange bill. You know, it doesn't have my previous balance, and it's a minus. I don't have to pay anything this month." And uh, the lady that answered the phone said, "Yes, that's right." She says, "What's wrong is we haven't been reading the meter, and we've caught up, and you've been overpaying." So that was the end of that. Oh, okay. Thanks. Huh. All right. Well, I appreciate that insight. You know, now that you mention it, even though my bill was higher than it should have been, I mean, but not unexpected because we knew costs were going up. There, I think I did see some sort of like strange lines where you know where they do all the details. So I'll have to when I uh, get a chance. Um, this weekend, I'll take a look at my nice egg bill to see if there was something like that on my bill as well. Because now, the more I think about it, I, I didn't analyze it closely, but now, now I'm seeming to recall something that was odd about readings or whatever. Yes, and and see, here's the the other thing that um, comes into this. You know, with NYSEC, and we have other companies that do the uh, energy charge. Uh, that deliver the power or whatever they call it. Right. And a, fresh, a friend of mine got a bill that was extremely high. And I said well, her, to her, why don't you call NYSEC? But she didn't. And then she gets a call from this place, and I'm sure it's one of these energy places, that, and I'm sure what was happening is they were trying to uh, change her en- energy re- supplier, but I couldn't convince her that it wasn't NYSEC. So, anyway... She was dealing with where this place was, and so I, I wonder, sometimes people are getting those kind of calls, and they think it's an ISEC, but I don't think it really is. Have you been involved in anything like that? No, fortunately not, but I, I think I've heard from people who have. I've I've been lucky, knock on 
whatever that is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's uncommon. I think I've just been very fortunate so far. Uh, yeah, the thing is now with with this uh, with the options that people have to choose different energy suppliers, that just creates confusion. See, back when I was a kid, back when I was a kid, there were some simple things in life. The phone company, right. the phone company would give you a black phone. It was ugly, and it had a dial that you had to exert. Yeah, you know, especially if a phone number had lots of nines and zeros. Oh, it was so taxing. But, but the phones always worked. The quality was always good, and it was fine. And the bill, you could always understand. Same with the electric company or the gas company. They would send you a bill. And there weren't any excuses or, you know, maybe it would say, this is how much electricity you used last month. And these are the taxes. And this is when it's due. And now when you get your bill, you look through it. It's like five, six pages or whatever. And there are breakdowns and, energy, you know, supplier and delivery service and... You know, freshness fee. I mean, who needs a freshness fee for electricity? It's it's not going to go bad. But they they come up with all this, just making simple electricity so complicated. I I long for the days when electricity and phones and even cable service was simple. I, I know one thing that these energy places they come to your door, trying to get you change your energy supplier, and. Um, you know, it's confusing, especially maybe to us older people. Like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to sell us? You know, what is this all about? What is it with these places that are trying to sell you a different energy supplier? Well, and the problem, too, is the way they present their service, they'll say something to the effect, you could save up to 32%. Well... You could save up to 32%, but you probably won't. In reality, if you save anything, maybe it'll be 3%. I mean, they put in the caveats. So even, actually, if you wind up paying more, they would say, well, don't blame us. You're paying more. We just said you could save up to 32%. We didn't say you would actually save that much. Right. You know, they're clever. I, You know what I think, just between you and me, Beverly? I think they're intentionally trying to mislead some people oh i i I think so too and uh a lot of older people like this particular lady uh, i think that she's really going to kind of fall for it because she thinks it's going to decrease her bill because her bill was unusually high but i've had a bill that was unusually high a few months ago too and now i got this bill which is like nothing so that kind of made up for it because the lady said, well, I hadn't read the meter. So I figured, well, that's a good reason. Right. Well, I I would encourage our, our listeners, anyone who gets a solicitation, whether it's someone who comes to your door or they send it to you by email or regular mail, I encourage people not to act on any of these offers until you run it by someone else who may have more information. It could be a neighbor a friend, maybe your son or daughter, but make sure before you agree to anything that the whole thing is checked out so you can be fully aware of of what really might happen. Right. I agree with you. I, I hope that 
people will take a second look at something like this and not get taken into something that they don't know what they're talking about. Beverly, thanks for your call. Well, you're welcome. Nice talking to you. I listen to you every day, and I love it. Well, thank you. I hope hope you call in again. I hope we get Beverly number three and Beverly number four from the Down of Dickinson to call in today before noon as well. We'll have uh, maybe next Friday will be all Beverly Friday. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Nine fifty two. WNBF taking the calls at 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and streaming at wnbf.com. Planet Pre- vacation every single day because i love my occupation hey i'm on vacation if you don't like your life then you should go and change it hey i'm on vacation every single day because i love my occupation hey i'm on vacation every single day every every single day 956 wnb every single day There's some big news in the broadcast industry here in Binghamton with the official announcement that uh, Greg Catlin is retiring. Greg Catlin. Remember when you would see him at 6 o'clock with the Action News team? Greg Catlin, Candace Chapman, and the entire Action News team, the Delaware Valley's most wonderful newscast. And then they decided, well, 6 o'clock is good, but why don't we also do newscast at 4, 4.30, 5, 5.30, 6, 10, 10.30, midnight. Okay, I exaggerated a little bit. Anyway, Greg Catlin has advised the WSKG employees, WSKG Public Media, that he has decided he will retire. And he has been part of the... Binghamton broadcast scene for so many years. I had a chance to chat with him Thursday afternoon. Well, maybe someday, if you're good, I'll I'll show you <laughs> one of Greg Catlin's early newscast, early TV newscast when he was working in Elmira at WENY. I won't tell you the year. We'll just say it was quite a while ago. Anyway, Greg Gatlin grew up in western New York, uh, Wyoming County. He told me his first on-air experience was when he was 19. He worked as a disc jockey at a station called WCJW. It's a radio station in Warsaw, New York. He was attending SUNY Geneseo. His first television job, as I mentioned, was in Elmira at WENY. He worked there for... I would say maybe a year or two. And then in 1982, back when Action News opened up an Elmira Bureau, uh, Greg Catlin was reporting from the Action News Elmira Bureau. And before long, he uh, showed up in Binghamton. 
over at 50 Front Street, the Action News headquarters. And so he worked for Action News as a reporter, anchor. He anchored, I think, every slot, morning, noon, and night. Then, as I mentioned, they had him teamed up with Candace Chapman. And usually, I would say it was a a long time that uh, Candace Chapman and Greg Catlin co-anchored the evening Action News. And then he wound up going... Of all things, this seldom happens, going from news, the news side to management. He ultimately became general manager of the operation, also oversaw operations for uh, a company station in Syracuse. So Greg Catlin says he's looking forward to retirement. He says, I want to enjoy life after working in news and broadcast management. This final day at WSKG. The October 7th. If you want to see a very interesting photo, go to our website, WNBF.com. It's an image of Greg Catlin along with Carrie Donovan, Jim Matthews, and Mitch Gross next to the Action Newsmobile. And that image was from 2015. Take a look at that. Talk about memories and key members of the Action News team. Those are memories. And that was the big story. It's 10 o'clock. More coming up on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 60 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today, fair fair skies right now. Sunny skies for the rest of the day, high in the low 80s. Not as cold tonight. You should only be getting into the upper 50s. A Johnson City man has learned he will spend three years in prison after pleading guilty to attempted criminal possession of a weapon earlier this year. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 24-year-old Dwayne Benjamin was driving in the area of Arch and Main Streets in the village of Johnson City on April 2nd when a village police officer attempted to stop him for a traffic violation. The officials say Benjamin abandoned his 2006 Pontiac at the intersection and took off on foot. Police found a loaded and unlicensed 40 caliber pistol in the car. The district attorney's office says Benjamin was on probation for a 2020 narcotics conviction. Prosecutors say Benjamin was arrested several weeks later. In addition to the three years in state prison for the plea, Benjamin also has been ordered to be placed on five years post-release supervision. In other Broome County court action this week, sentencing is set for November for a Broome County man after he pleaded guilty to possessing stolen property. The Broome County district attorney's office says 50-year-old Roy Peterson of Binghamton admitted he had two stolen credit cards he tried to hide from Johnson City Police when they were taking him into custody on an unrelated charge last October. Officials say Peterson is expected to get one and a half to three years in prison. U.S. prosecutors say they found the New York State Environmental Facilities Corporation had falsely certified that several people were working at the state agency in support of a federal water quality improvement grant and being paid for that job when, in fact, they were actually doing unrelated work for former Governor 
Andrew Cuomo's office. The U.S. Attorney's Office says one person getting EFC salary and benefits was hired by the executive chamber to work on Cuomo's advance team, while another was hired to help run the former governor's Washington, D.C. office. In the settlement agreement, EFC admitted that former senior department officials caused the state to include in federal funding requests part of the salaries and benefits for the individuals in question, without revealing to the Environmental Protection Agency that they were hired by and worked for the executive chamber. The EFC has agreed to pay $500,000 to resolve the allegations. WMBF First News Time, 10.07. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf is starting the process to pardon residents with minor nonviolent marijuana criminal convictions. The Democrat announced the opening of the application process yesterday under a month-long PA Marijuana Pardon Project. The initiative is a one-time large-scale pardoning project for people with select minor nonviolent marijuana criminal convictions. According to a statement from the governor's office, thousands of Pennsylvanians are expected to be eligible due to convictions over the past several decades even predating the inclusion of marijuana as a Schedule One drug under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Pennsylvanians eligible for the chance to be pardoned are those with one or both of the following convictions, possession of marijuana and marijuana small amount personal use. Individuals can apply for an accelerated pardon at pa.gov slash mjpardon. The governor's office says once a person submits their application, they will be contacted if a follow-up is needed. Those who are not eligible to apply for a pardon because they have additional criminal convictions on their record are encouraged to apply for clemency using a standard application at bop.pa.gov. The information provided by Wolf's office says, while a pardon constitutes forgiveness, those whose pardons are granted will still need to petition to the court for an expungement of the conviction from their record. Pennsylvania's Republican nominee for governor is suing the Congressional Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, contesting its legal ability to force him to answer questions about it. The lawsuit filed yesterday by Doug Mastriano contends that the committee lacks House Republican appointees and does not comply with those House rules for conducting a compelled deposition of witnesses. A committee spokesperson declined comment. Mastriano's lawyer has said his client is willing to voluntarily testify publicly before the panel. Mastriano helped organize efforts in Pennsylvania to submit alternate presidential electors beholden to former President Donald Trump and was seen outside the Capitol as pro-Trump demonstrators at Attack the police. WMBF News Time 1009. Want to the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunny today, a high in the low 80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the upper 50s. Partly sunny tomorrow, a high in the mid 80s. Sunday, not so great as we're in the full throes of the Labor Day weekend. Partly sunny, but there's also a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms. A high on Sunday in the mid 80s. Labor Day, uh, partly sunny skies with a 50% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, a high in the upper 70s. Back to work on Tuesday, partly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, and a high in the upper 70s to near 
80. Currently, it's 60 in Binghamton. It's 10 11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph with you. It's Friday morning, taking the calls now at 607-772-1290. If you want to talk on WNBM. Sunshine came softly through my window today. Could have tripped out easy, but I've changed my way. Friday morning, we welcome you to the start of the holiday weekend. Of course, as always, we encourage you to celebrate responsibly when possible. If that's something that you think is appropriate for you and your family, by all means, celebrate responsibly. And we'll be taking calls coming right up. By the way, I was just on the line with NYSEG and... uh, explain to NYSEG, the representative, what we were told about uh, billing. And so the NYSEG representative has advised me that he'll look into this, and we'll try to get some information if he's able to get back to me with some information. Between now and noon, we certainly, we certainly would pass that on to you here at the station. Right now, we're pleased to announce that the Main Fest is returning. The Main Fest will be returning this month. It'll be coming up a week from tomorrow. Joining us now with a preview is Gordy Gottlieb. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. How are you? Very good. Well, this sounds like it'll be the main event, the main fest returning on Saturday, September 10th. Give us a little background about how it started and, and what is also planned for, for this year as the event makes its triumphant return. Sure. Um, we uh, started this about five years ago, pre-COVID, and the, the idea for the festival came about to promote art and music of the Nanticoke Valley kind of a spinoff from uh, uh, some feedback on the town comprehensive plan, which we, the town of Maine writes every decade or so. And when I was part of that uh, committee and when we got feedback, people would say, hey, we'd like to have more art, music, and things for kids to do and uh, the elderly to do. So uh, the Historical Society, the Anacoke Valley Historical Society, uh, took this on as one of the challenges, and uh, we do monthly coffee houses uh, with uh, you know, regional music, uh, a program event every uh, third Monday uh, with like arts, crap, or some some information uh, lessons or something like that, and then uh, the main fest, which is really the big event, um, you know, that we do every year. Uh, and uh, COVID messed us up for one year, of course, uh, but we've been able to do it, and each year it gets a little bigger and a little bit bigger. 
Um, this year, it's being held at the town park. We're moving there because there's three pavilions. Um, and uh, as usual, we'll have uh, chicken barbecue by the West Corners Lions Club. They do a great job. They uh, start selling about 11 a.m. And, uh, and until they're sold out after they sell out of chicken, they're going to do uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, so uh, there'll be some food there and drinks. Uh, a big part of the festival is also uh, it's called an on plein air painting event. It's an open air painting event where artists, regional artists come all from all over. Uh, they meet very early in the morning and they have their canvas stamped and then they go out and paint, uh, you know, scenic areas of the town. Uh, sometimes we give them a theme. Sometimes we just let them wander. And at 4.30, they bring all their artwork back. And it's really fascinating. Uh, a lot of different styles, a lot of different color. And we get to see how the artists interpret the town and the things they see. And there's an auction uh, right there. A lot of times the artists will sell their work uh, it's very uh, focused, you know, of course, in the town. And a lot of the icons or, you know, historic buildings in the town are often subjects of the paintings. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun, and we get some great artists there. Uh, so that's kind of the background, and uh, I could give you a little more information about the activities this year if you want. Oh, sure, sure. And by the way, for people just tuning in, we're talking about the upcoming Main Fest, which will be on September 10th, a week from tomorrow getting the information from Gordy Gottlieb. Tell us a bit more about the activities that are planned. Sure. Uh, so we have uh, an artist in a flea market with 20-some-odd vendors, uh, all kinds of crafts. And uh, two things of particular interest are a blacksmith and woodworking demonstrations. We'll have a, a blacksmith on site uh, kind of hammering away and at his uh, at his work. And then uh, uh, woodworking will tune a uh, uh, or a turn uh, like wooden spoons and utensils and bowls by, uh, I'd say, foot and hand. It's uh, almost like a bicycle where they they power the um, you know power the uh, the uh, chisel uh, carving devices, uh, almost like uh, being on a bike. And that's always fascinating. Um, we'll have some children's activities. Um, I should mention that next Memorial Day weekend is the 175th anniversary of the town of Maine, and there's going to be a three-day celebration there. And uh, there will be a beautification project for the town, and one of the things that they'll be doing is uh, something called uh, barn quilts, which are usually large, kind of like in Amish country uh, where they have the symbols painted. Well, barn quilts are increasing in popularity and uh, very colorful. You put it on the side of your house, your barn, your garage, and uh, we're going to tie that into uh, this uh, the September 10th event by do, uh, letting kids do um, uh, barn quilts. So that we'll have panels them and uh, you know painting or coloring uh, uh, accessories there, and then we'll post them in a big mural. Uh, the town rec committee is going to be doing that for us. The town of Maine rec committee. Uh, they'll have a bounce house there and a couple other kids activities as well. Uh, we have uh, a big part of this festival has always been um, the music part of it. And this year we have the Town of Maine Community Band, which is, uh, I'm told and I've read that it's the longest continuously running band in the United States, which is saying something. And they're going to be playing at 1030 to 1130. Uh, at 1130, uh, we have Kenny's Choir. Uh, which is uh, just a great, um, usually first experience for uh, uh, kids singing and learning music. It's uh, led by Hilary Rosick in tribute to her father, Ken Rosick. 
and she's been doing this for several years, and she'll get anywhere. Uh, I think at a high level is 120-plus kids uh, during the school year. It'll probably be a little smaller because school's just starting, but Kenny's Choir will play 1130 to noon. Uh, at noon, we'll have the Brotherhood duo with Cassie and Jim. Uh, at 2 p.m., we'll have uh, uh, Nino and Mark from uh, Friday at Fred's, a great duo playing a lot of popular popular music. And you've probably seen both Brotherhood and Friday at Fred's around town doing a lot of festivals, so we're happy to have them. Uh, we also have a magic show starring Doug Welch, who grew up in the town of Maine, and uh, he has a great magic show, and he's going to be doing that from 3.30 to 4. He'll also be wandering around in the morning doing uh, magic as he you know, uh, entertains the kids after the children's choir and things like that. Um, so the music's a big part of it. We also have uh, the Broom County uh, trolley uh, coming, and uh, they'll give trolley rides to uh, uh, a couple of stops in Maine, uh, the Gent W. Bowers Museum that uh, the Historical Society will have open. We'll also go past uh, some 18th century carriage barns that, uh, or I'm sorry, they uh, were built in 1840, uh, two carriage barns that were renovating. Um, they were closed in like 1950 and hadn't been touched, and we just started doing that. Uh, we have the mill open, the grist mill on Route 26, and we'll probably have some. Um, we won't be in there because we're doing a lot of work, but we'll, they'll stop there too. So the trolley ride's always fun. That'll be running from noon to 3, and uh, we usually get a lot of great feedback, and people have a lot of fun uh, on that. Well, sounds like it'll be a great day. Again, the Maine Fest, Saturday, September 10th, a week from tomorrow at the Maine Town Park on Route 26. Gordy Gottlieb, thank you for joining us today. Um, my pleasure, and thanks for uh, letting us tell everyone about it, Bob. Thank you. Hope you enjoy your weekend. You too. Have a good one now. Thank you. Take care. It's 1021. We're live and local on your Friday morning. We've been serving our communities for nearly a century. We're not about to stop. Back to the phones we go, 607-772-1290. Mike from Johnson City. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How's um, it, go- how's it going? Be, uh, it's going. Um, not to be mean or malicious, that's not how I do things, but I'm going to throw a little constructive criticism at you, okay? You can handle it, I think. Well, anyway, I'm going to talk about the rumble ponies. When things are going well... You talk about how you go to the ball game and how the team's playing, and they need a couple wins. We'll get in the playoffs there, or we need a couple teams to lose a few games and we can get into the playoffs. You know, but since this is, you know, a lot of teams have lean years and they've got their lean year right here. And since they're not, they're not playing well, they've finished last place both uh, both half of the year. By the way, when's the last time you heard me talk about the Rumble Ponies in playoffs? Oh, it was last time they were in a in the running for the playoffs. It probably was the last year. I, I don't know, but since they're playing poorly now, you don't mention anything about the team. You talk about the stadium. It, yeah, it, it, and that's why I go. I I go. I don't care if they don't win a game for the rest of of their existence. I go because they're playing baseball. I'm not one of those fair weather fans. If 
And let's face it, it's, it's natural. If they're doing really well, if they win 90% of their games, I'm going to focus on that. If you want to focus on their current record, you're welcome. Call in every, every day if you want to talk about their record. I go to the games because I have a good time. Last night, they came close to winning. It, it, they had the ability up until the final strike to uh, win 5-4. to four. They wound up losing 4-3. to three. So, it did, did my life, did I feel that I wasted my uh, Thursday evening at the ballpark? No. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I seldom, even, even when they were doing well, I would say, oh, it's great. You know, we're going to have baseball, uh, postseason baseball in Binghamton. That's great. I didn't make a big deal about their record. I never make a big deal about anyone's record. Well, a lot of pe- there's a lot of fans in this area. If they're playing well, that's... I know about a lot of fans. You were talking about constructive criticism directed at me, and my response was I rarely, whether they're doing well or whether they're not doing well, I rarely ever, whether it was Rumble Ponies uh, in the recent years or before that, the Binghamton Mets, I rarely ever made reference to what their record was. Well, I I know you've talked about it in the past if they were playoff bound. Yeah, if they're playoff bound, that's news. Unfortunately, this season, they're not playoff bound. Anybody who's gone to the games and pays attention to the record, they know what the record is. So what do you want me to do? Well, I'm just saying, you know, you don't mention it when they're playing bad either. You know, you know it's the same thing. Same thing with the Red Sox. That's exactly right. Who wants to hear me talk about the, when the Red Sox, at this point in the season, look, their, their hopes are shot for 2022. Why would people want to hear me talk about the Red Sox or any other team that's not doing well this season? What's the point in that? This is, By the way, this is not all sports radio where I'm going to drill down and spend an hour talking about what they should have or could have done. You know, my references to the Rumble Ponies this year or in the past have been relatively infrequent. Well, well, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned you, but that's the way some fans operate around. That's true. That's the way some fans operate, but you started the call off suggesting that the constructive criticism was directed at the radio show host. When I'm telling you, you know, your criticism is misdirected because... Since they started playing baseball in Binghamton at our stadium three decades ago, I seldom, on or off the air, have talked about their record, good, bad, or indifferent. Okay, well, I just heard you talk better about them when they're playing well versus when they're not playing well. Yeah, and that's the way everybody talks about any team. Everybody talks about teams when they're doing really well. The Yankees, notice how even though the Yankees in recent weeks haven't been doing well, I could, as a Red Sox fan, as a fan disappointed in how the Red Sox are faring the season, if I wanted to, I could spend good portions of, of most programs saying, geez, look at these Yankees. What's happened? Why, ha- why have the wheels fallen off? I choose not to. I choose rarely to talk about sports teams when they're having, having a tough time. I understand that. That's what I'm trying to get through to you. Well, you got through to me, but it's, it, I have to say it's pointless because why, again, this is not the fan. This is not ESPN or CBS Sports Radio. This is a general interest talk show. So why would the average viewer 
want to hear me say, oh, I went to the game last night and they lost another one. The listeners hear the results. If the listeners want to talk about the Rumble Ponies having a tough time this season, they'd call in. You're the only one who seems to be upset about it. Okay, well, that's that's just that's the way I feel about it. Well, I'm uh, well, no, I don't expect you would change, and I don't expect what I just told you over the last five minutes is going to make a darn bit of difference. I mean, that's your worldview, yeah. and you know, that's you know what I recommend. Why don't you listen to CBS Sports Radio thirteen sixty, and then you can hear all the sports you want to hear. Well, I. I do listen to both. I listen to talk radio. I listen to WLW from Cincinnati, believe it or not, because I get up early in the morning. Right. I, I mean, there, there are a multitude of choices. Again, I, I go to see the Rumble Ponies when I'm able and my schedule permits. And if I go to a game, I did a video last night after the game mentioning the score. Okay. I did. And I said, I'm going. I, I, I posted it. I said, the Rumble Ponies lost 4-3 to three to the Somerset Patriots. It was on Twitter. Now, nobody else bothered to be at the game. You didn't see any other, whether they're sports directors or anyone else, give you the final score from the stadium after the game. So, you know, but, you know, I, I, I certainly understand, Mike, how you can be disappointed with, with my global perspective. So... Well, no, like I said, I'm not. It wasn't meant to be mean or malicious, but please don't take it that way. Oh, I don't. I'm just. <laughs> I, it's. I know it's not mean or malicious. It's just mystifying. But you know, on on the other hand, I, I, can't, I usually can't go because I don't have enough money. <laughs> well, and, and to that point, by the way, not not <laughs> not wanting to sound negative, but wanting to sound realistic. Yeah, prices have gone up. I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, ticket prices, concession prices, like everything else, the prices have gone up, and you know that's that is the reality. I mean, I'm not. Okay. Trust me, I'm not trying to avoid the harsh reality. Uh, hold on, let me. Oh. Hold on a second, let me, because I I don't even know precisely what their record is except except not not good hold on a second oh i'm sure the record shows up here on my screen all right so binghamton's record is now 49 and 72 well that's that's not a successful season by any stretch of the imagination but to that point though i'm not going to announce every morning what happened with the previous night's game, those those who know or want to know about how uh, Binghamton did the previous night, whether it was at home or if they're on the road, they they know with the Internet or they've heard it already on First News Binghamton with James Kelly. So I seldom make any reference about games, at least as far as outcomes, how the team is playing. Usually when I talk about going to the games, I view it, is more of a social event. I like that there's uh, something to do for several months in the summer here, and I enjoy meeting people. I, I met listeners last night at the stadium, and to me, that's as much a part of of the package of going to a Rumble Ponies game as what's going on on the field. Right. Um, next week I'll call you. We'll talk on something local besides sports. All right. Oh, by the Friday night, under the lights. There's where you can meet some people and have a good time. That's true. 
high school football. I know. You can't beat it, Robert. I know. It. It's it's uh, it's been a while since I've been to a high school <laughs> game. The last high school football game that I, I uh, attended was was uh, in Vestal a few years ago. I don't know if it was three years ago, four years ago when when they hosted UE. So uh, this year. I will try to make some um, high school football games. I'll put that on my calendar because I, I typically well, typically haven't done much of that, but this year I'll, I'll try to make a change. Well, you're an all-UE alumni, just like my late son, so that's we'll, we'll go from there. I'll give you a thumbs up on that. All right. Okay? Appreciate the call. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. And it's 1032 WNBF. I do love my sports, but I'm not... I am not a fanatic about sports. I'm a fan with kind of small lettering and small font. I'm a fan. I follow what's going on. And I, as longtime listeners know, I, I currently, whether <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't make me any friends generally in the, in the community, I happen to be a Red Sox fan. Most of my life, by the way, I was a Yankees fan. Almost all of my life. I was a big Yankees fan. Then I became more of a Mets fan, especially after the arrival of the Binghamton Mets with the stadium downtown. And then I became disenchanted with the Yankees organization. I'll leave it at that. And then I generally shifted my allegiance over to the Red Sox. I like Fenway. You know, good news about whoever owns the Red Sox right now. Last I knew, they're not talking about tearing down Fenway. But they probably will someday. You know, somebody somewhere in the wide, wacky world of baseball will think they need to tear down Fenway and they need to tear down Wrigley Field. Because they're outdated. And to me, that's disrespectful. But I also understand that the people who control the baseball industry, the lucrative baseball industry, I understand they don't care about tradition. And most of all, for the, generally speaking, most of all, the people who control major league baseball don't care about the fans. They do not care about you, the fan. They care only about the almighty buck all right that's the last i'm talking about sports today unless i change my mind 607-772-1290 you can also send an email to bob at wnbf.com it's friday morning we're live we're local uh call me 607-772-1290 yes we are here 92.1 fm 1290 a.m and always available on the free WNBF app. Hi, f- News Radio 1290 WNBF.
Yes. Yes to that. 1037 WNBF. I um, changed my mind. I am going to talk briefly about sports. By the way, Timmy Trumpet. You know what I'm saying? Timmy Trumpet. That's uh, There's a sports note. The other thing is, I know you're saying, well, but Bob, you suggested you might not talk about sports anymore this morning. Yes, that was a suggestion, and yet, and yet, how can I not talk about Brandon Nimmo? So that catch last night, Brandon Nimmo, I don't need to say a whole lot about Brandon Nimmo. If you like the Mets, you like Brandon Nimmo. So that was just a remarkable, remarkable play. And I only saw it because after I got home last night from the Rumble Ponies game, I saw it on Twitter and I I said, wow, I should click on this. Which I usually don't click on tweets showing baseball highlights and a baseball play-by-play, but I was glad I did. So that catch, and this is uh, from Tyler Kepner's on baseball column this morning in the Times, says the catch Nimmo made in the seventh inning against the Los Angeles Dodgers to rob a homer from Justin Turner and save Jacob deGrom's 2-1 to victory was a slice of baseball perfection. And that it was. It was a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty. So if you like baseball, by now, you probably have seen a clip of that catch. Just remarkable. Um, Also quoting from Tyler Kepner's on baseball column in the Times, the play in the game had it all. The two best teams in the National League, a sellout crowd, a crisp pace, great players doing great things. Even, yes, that guy with his trumpet, a live trumpet performance on the field before the top of the ninth inning. I'd like to get the trumpet guy actually here in Binghamton. Timmy Trumpet. Come here, Timmy Trumpet. Anyway, I, it's probably too much to ask. Obviously, it's too late in the current season, but if we could only get Timmy Trumpet, say, at uh, opening day for the Rumble Ponies in April 2023, can you imagine? I'll be. And there's another thing, just for people who aren't familiar. I, I am enough of a Binghamton baseball fan that my intent every year is to be there for the home opener. I don't have a perfect record, but I do. I do make an attempt. And the bottom line for me about attending the Rumble Ponies home opener is I will stay until the end of the game. This year it was easy because the temperature in April for the home opener was in the 60s. It was sunny in the 60s. It was almost too nice to have a home opener. They should have canceled it because the weather was too nice. So that was easy for people to attend the Rumble Ponies home opener last spring because the weather was extraordinarily nice. Some years were not that fortunate. But still, if I make it to the game, my commitment when I go to a baseball game is to stay until it's over. And sometimes, even if I'm supposed to be awake early, if I have an early shift, 
And sometimes people say, well, you want to leave now? You have to get up early, you know. And I will say, I know. I'll deal with that. I'll get up early. This is when I have to. I'll get up early, but I, I'm committed because I am enough of a baseball fan to want to see the first pitch and the last out. So that's that's my intent. Now, there have been a few exceptions, very few exceptions. I'm actually, I'm not sure if I've left any games early. Well, one time when they had uh, a special event for our radio station at the stadium during an afternoon game, so we had some food for WNBF contributors at at the afternoon game so maybe the game started at 1:30 i had some food at the stadium then i left with the game still in progress because well you know me i have to go back to work because i have something i have a malady called a, a, the work ethic but that was that's the one notable exception where i didn't stay till the end of a binghamton baseball game Anyway, good work, Brandon Nimmo. Great work, Brandon Nimmo. It's 1043 News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Ten forty-five. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Number to call is 607-772-1290. Email bob at wnbf.com. We're here for you on News Radio WNBF. Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I, I hear you got some more Beverly. Yeah, yeah, they're... Uh, uh, that's all right. We now I have... Tw- we, we know each other. You know each other? I said I bet we do. All of us probably know each other. <laughs> yeah, I I would suggest that, say, next Friday, if we can get, to get, get a few more Beverly's from the town of Dickinson together, maybe we'll have... Um, a Beverly Fest, and I'll I'll cook hot dogs and hamburgers for anyone named Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Yeah, uh, that was up on Nolan Road in Hillcrest. Oh, they have a camp? They used to have a camp. I think they still do. Well, uh, was it good? I don't know. I forgot. Well, well I, I was to it because we were talking about churches here not too long ago. And I said, there used to be a camp up on, up on Nolan Road in Hillcrest, because I've been there. I can't think of the name of it. But was it a big camp? It was, it was a religious camp. Oh, gosh. I think, I, I think, I think a number of people used to call it the Holy Roller Camp. All right. Well, I'm not sure, Bob, but but I was there. I mean, I mean, we 
you know, we used to put on plays and stuff, and people used to come and watch us and mm. stuff, you know. We had a good time there, but I couldn't think of the name uh, name of it. Well, did but, they? But a lot of people call it the Holy Roller Camp. Really? <laughs> Do they have a uh, lake? Uh, it was in Hillcrest, New York. Right. I mean, but is there a lake? I'm not. I. I they might be. Might be a small one. Because we went swimming there too. Oh, really? There might have been a pond too. I'm not hmm. sure. Because I don't remember hearing about it. You know who would? Oh, Bob. It was probably be well. It was probably more. Probably before your time. Could have been. I'm probably older than you. Could be. So it might have been before your time. Mm. We used to have a good time up there, but I can't. I can't remember what uh, what it uh, what it was. But like I said, a lot of people used to call it the Holy Roller Camp. Hmm. Well, maybe some listeners know about it. Maybe yeah, they. I mean, it was nice, right? You know, and so forth. We had a good time. We went swimming and. Uh, they had boats and stuff that we paddled out, and we m- most of us knew how to swim and stuff, you know. I mean, it was fun. I mean, we'd have a, a we'd start off in the morning. I went there for a week. We'd start off with a morning with a little uh, mes- message from our classes and stuff, you know. And then we'd be going the rest of the day, you know, swimming or or swinging on the swings or or going for a walk on the trails and stuff. The only thing I know, like I said before, is they used to call it the Holy Roller Camp. Hmm. Well, I'm looking in the newspaper to see if it mentions. It was probably back in the 50s. Oh. Probably, hmm. may, I'm going to say May. Maybe 53 or something like that, 54, because I used to go there every year for a week. One time I, I went to a camp. I went I went to a summer camp once. But, I used to go to Camp Evergreen, too, in Conklin. You know, I, I always got homesick, though. I always wanted... I, I always I thought... I had a good time. Well, as long as I was having a good time, I was a happy camper. Well, all I remember is one time I was an unhappy camper because I, I, thought, I thought they sent me over to this camp for a week in the summer. I thought it was because they, they had, like, a big party planned and they didn't want me around. That's That was oh. my conclusion. I don't know if it was true. But I thought I was going to miss out on something while I was at summer camp, and and so I don't think I ever went back because I, I just thought, what what is possibly going on at home when I'm here at summer camp? Yeah, and, yeah, they, and they never. And that's the thing. They for you for a long time. Well, and they, then I got so I. I was um, a camper helper up there, you know, showing kids, up, you know, how to make arts and crafts and stuff. And All right. We had mud fights and everything. Well, Beverly, good news. We have a caller who may have some information, so uh, 
listen listen to your radio and you'll be able to hear some details okay tell tell the person thank you very much okay thank you beverly hope you have a great weekend tom and endicott good morning good morning bob how are you good i i believe uh that the there were cottages and they're behind or adjacent to uh the shenango valley cemetery on the other side of the creek and it was run there were cottages and it was run by the last that i remember uh, the Pilgrim Holiness Church, which is located on the second to the last block in the city of Binghamton on Shenango Street, and they would have, like, conventions or retreats there, and people would, like, come in from Ohio, West Virginia, et cetera, as a part of their church. Okay, well, that's that that sheds some light on this, but, yeah, that's, that's interesting, because I, I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, last I remember, uh, people were still coming there, um, mid eighties, it would still have people come in, and I, best way knowledge, they haven't done it since. But uh, I do remember them, like in from eighty one to eighty six or eighty eight, uh, having retreat weekends there. All right. Well, now that we, armed with that information, I have just found the newspaper story about well, one newspaper story about the Pilgrim Holiness Church campgrounds in Hillcrest. Unfortunately, the story that first popped up was uh, two cottages were destroyed by a grass fire. Uh, So, but at least that confirms, and there's a picture of, unfortunately, uh, what is left of one of the the cottages that was burned. It said, $4,000 Hillcrest Blaze. The story in the Binghamton Press in 1953 said, Burning leaves touched off the fire at the Pilgrim Holiness Church campground. Two cottages were destroyed and two others were damaged. Firemen from Hillcrest, Port Crane, and Port Dickinson fought the blaze, which threatened other cottages. But at least now, thanks to your information, we know about that site. It says the campground is just south of Franklin Avenue. Yes, yes, yep. And, And that's how you would access it. Oh, okay. Well, someday when I'm up in Hillcrest, I'll take a a drive down Franklin Avenue and try to imagine exactly where that was. If you come to the end of Franklin, uh, there's a steel building there. Uh, There's a business there. I believe you have to turn to the left, and it's like we're very rural, uh, a dirt road that takes you back to it. Well, thank you for the information. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Okay, Bob. Have a good day. Take care, Tom. Yeah, that's why I keep doing the program. Obviously, I'm not doing it for my health. I'm doing it for my knowledge. Every day, every day, I learn a few things on this program, whether it's from callers or from guests. So thank you to everybody who contributes because I've become a much more knowledgeable person thanks to this program. Brenda from the Forks, good morning. Yeah, that lady, she's talking about the Passive Life Campground. It's way up on the hill, up off Nolan Road. Okay. In Hillcrest. This guy that just called in, he's inaccurate. I, I just looked it up. I've been to the park. Well, there there, there may be talking. something else. There, there, As I said, from the newspaper story, it definitely mentions what he was referring to. So maybe maybe it's a different a different place. I think Path of Life is actually a different place from from this place from from what beverly was describing but maybe maybe they just came up with a different name at some point there's a pond there it's out back there's a huge pavilion there concrete big huge parking lot it's it's way up on the hill headed over like up up to the left would be Colesville road 
but you take Nolan Road uh, up at the top of that hill, and you take a right. I forget the name of the road, and uh, it's down through there somewhere on the left. Oh, okay. I'll take a right up there and check it out. Yeah, it's beautiful up there, actually. Anyway, the weather's great. Everybody enjoy the weekend for Labor Day. And uh, I wanted to mention Alice Cooper's coming to the Broome County Arena next week. Did somebody weeks, tell me that he was going to get a haircut, that when he when he is at the arena, when he comes back to Binghamton, <laughs> it's going to be the first time that we see um, Alice Cooper ever in public with a buzz cut? I don't know. I didn't hear about it, but I won two tickets the other day, so I'm happy. I'm going for that. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> I hope you have a great time. All right. Have a good weekend, Bob. Okay. Bye. You too. Yeah, that Alice Cooper, he is, he is something else. It's 1056. Bob Joseph, WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Real radio for real Americans who understand the value of the spoken word and also the value of a powerful hit. That'll be performed at the arena in just a few days by Alice Cooper. See what I'm saying? Uh, Let's take a look at the weather because it's the holiday weekend and we, of course, want to celebrate responsibly. According to what's here on the teleprompter, the forecast from the National Weather Service. Sunny today, 81. Partly cloudy tonight, 58. Partly sunny tomorrow, 86. Partly sunny Sunday. Chance of showers and thunderstorms, 84. And for Labor Day, partly sunny, a chance of showers with thunderstorms possible in the afternoon, 78. Right now in beautiful downtown Binghamton, it's 68 at News Radio, WNBF. Still another powerful hour of radio broadcasting from Binghamton coming right up. I hope you'll take an opportunity to call in and just say hi or maybe holiday greetings. Holiday greetings coming up here on News Radio WNBF Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph at 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning, a nice late summer day for today. Sunshine, calm winds, and a high in the low 80s. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is recommending the use of the updated COVID-19 boosters from Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna that add the latest variants of the coronavirus mutation spike proteins to the composition of the shot. It's not clear when any of the new boosters will become widely available. Meanwhile, Broome County Health Department Director Mary McFadden, speaking on this weekend, Southern Tier Close Up, says if you are due for a COVID booster, it is best to get one as soon as possible and not wait for the new version. She says a priority is protecting not only the health of an individual, but also those around them, like classmates, teachers, school staff, as well as relatives and co-workers. She says stay up to date on your shots, and if you don't feel well, test. But if COVID or not, you should just stay home. You can hear McFadden's update on COVID as well as back-to-school health issues, rabies, and more on Southern Tier Close-Up, the weekly local public affairs program on WMBF tomorrow at 6.03 a.m. and on the WMBF podcast. 
podcast. Meanwhile, COVID-19 is still present as evidenced by Broome County this week, reaching over 64,000 people who have been diagnosed since the start of the pandemic. The county reported 133 new cases in the Thursday update, pushing it over that mark. The good news is vaccinations and boosters have greatly slowed the number of new infections, serious illness that requires hospitalizations, and deaths. There were no new COVID-related deaths reported in any Southern Tier County this week. Broome County is launching a study to identify and address the challenges facing emergency services agencies in the area. Many working in emergency medical services have complained about low pay and long hours while dealing with a large number of calls for assistance. Broome County Executive Democrat Jason Garner and 2nd District Broome County Legislator Republican Scott Baker were joined by representatives from the Broome County Office of Emergency Services and Shenango Ambulance Services yesterday to announce plans for that. That new study. Baker is also a paramedic. One person commenting on that planned study applauded a review of the system, citing not only low pay and long hours, but no opportunity for advancement or pension, which can discourage people from stepping up. The comment also pointed to tax dollars that support other emergency responders like police and fire agencies, but not medical services. Work is already underway to prepare to mark the anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terror attacks on the United States locally. Yesterday, volunteers were to gather at the United Way offices on South Jensen Road in Vestal to place 2,977 flags on the lawn to honor those who lost their lives in the attack. The flag installation kicked off the United Way Day of Caring. The Day of Caring is a community-wide initiative dedicated to recognizing the volunteers and heroes who responded to the horrors of the attack and its Aftermath. The effort is also remembering the victims. The United Way of Broome County says a formal memorial ceremony will be held on Sunday, September 11th at 7.10 p.m. at the United Way offices in Vestal. Details of those plans are to be announced later. Meanwhile, in Tioga County, Owego Town Supervisor Donald Castellucci Jr. has announced the town, along with Tioga County Emergency Service personnel, will be conducting a September 11th memorial service as well. That service will take place Sunday, September 11th, at the town of Owego 9-11 Memorial in Hickory's Park. Participants and attendees can gather at 7.45 a.m. with that ceremony starting at 8. A collaborative effort between local performing arts agencies is returning to offer a special interactive experience for children in kindergarten through fifth grade. The Southern Tier Arts Adventure is coming back to the Robertson Museum and Science Center September 18th after being away for two years. Organizers say Tri-Cities Opera will perform excerpts from its upcoming Opera Go Round. The Binghamton Philharmonic Orchestra will present Quaver Has a Feeling. That's a children's book live with multi-instrumentalist April Lucas. The Shore Family Firehouse Stage will provide a juggler, magician, and balloonist to delight attending children and their families. Robertson Museum and Science Center will also have several hands-on activities for children to enjoy during the free event from 1 to 4 p.m. on the 18th. Adventures will be taking place in 10 to 20-minute intervals so families can make their own itineraries. Pre-register at robertson.org slash event slash arts adventure 2. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1. In the past two years, Joe Biden has launched an assault 
on the soul of America. doesn't understand is that the soul of America is in the tens of millions of hardworking people. Thank you, sir, for offering some insights. 607-772-1290 with radio's Bob Joseph, as seen on TV, 607-772-1290. If you want to reach out and touch the host figuratively, Let's uh, see what else is going on. Oh, email bob at wnbf.com. People sometimes will. (laughs) Sometimes people will want to send an email. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, here's something. Uh, More about the camp in Hillcrest. According to Doug, it was associated with the Pilgrim Holiness Church. Thank you. Um, Also... From another viewer, the place in Hillcrest is condemned, and I heard it's going up for auction. A lot of colleges are still standing. It would be nice if someone did something with it. Ah, okay. Well, I'll go check it out. I'll go see for myself. Thank you for the specific directions. Uh, ah, ooh, thank you for the insights. Thank you for the insights. Uh, let's see what else here. Hmm. Okay, that's... We are receiving, by the way, some interesting news tips. And I have often said, if you are interested in providing a news tip, it's as easy as sending an email to bob at wnbf.com. So... If you're aware of shenanigans that are going on, by all means, send your tips about shenanigans to bob at wnbf.com. Even this week, I've already looked into two apparent cases of shenanigans. Still reporting. Still need to ask a few more questions. But got to tell you, in the Binghamton area, there seems to be an outbreak of shenanigans. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? This is from the person from grew up in Hillcrest that used to go to the Holy Roller meetings. Oh, Mr. Terrific. Matthew T. <laughs> Ryan. Good morning, Matt from Binghamton. What's up? No, I just heard that. Did somebody call in? Because I, I lived in Hillcrest and we used to, as young kids, we used to go sit in the back and watch the Holy, they were, we called them, they were called the Holy Rollers. And uh, 
I had remembered that. Were they on skates? Were they like on no, skates? Or why, why, why would you call them the Holy Rollers? It sounds like some sort of... They used, uh, roll, they used to go into trances and roll around on the ground and stuff. And really? It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Huh. It was uh, the Pilgrimus, Pilgrim's Holy Roller something. Pil- no, Pilgrim Holy, Holiness Church was the official name, according to the newspaper. I did find some uh, stories about about the camp. But, yeah, that's I, I just either I was aware of it and forgot about it, or maybe I never knew about it. But uh, it sounds fascinating. Maybe somebody will yeah, well, I mean, buy the property. Yeah, and Yeah, I, I, I'm, I really would like to remember. where. Do you know where it's located? I'd love to see it. I can't. I'm this was literally when we were, you know, less than probably ten years old. We used to go, I think. Yeah. I right. Let me see. I'm I'm punching up my global map. My global map. Let me see if I can. Yeah. It's so difficult. It was well, somewhere it was somewhere behind uh, the old Stinger Link building up there. I think. Seems to me that's where it was. Yeah, generally that's kind of where it is. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, okay. I'm trying trying to punch it up on my official map here. Are you old enough? Do you remember back in the day when they had paper maps? Do you what was that about? Oh yeah. Oh, what, the, <laughs> what the heck was that about? That that, that is really like. Can you imagine having to go back to paper maps? No. <laughs> You imagine? Can you imagine if if President Biden, through an executive order, outlawed all <laughs> GPS systems, all ma- electronic maps? You know, using his power as the guy from Scranton, just just to toy with us, he will outlaw the use of all Google Maps, all all navigation devices, and he'll say it's for national security. You know, he could though, because he's president. <laughs> he better not. I mean, hey, did you get that? Did you get that picture I sent you? Wait, which one? Um, of the monkey fist. Yes, yes. Thank you. And I, so, now I looked up online. So this weekend, I'm going to go buy a monkey fist. No, I'm well, here's what I think we should do. I mean, we're actually trying to get that law changed. However, because Florida, by the way, Florida, if you read. That thing I sent you, that was the actual bill from Florida that Governor Scott signed, and it passed unanimously in Florida to, to change it. They were changing it, like, because if you had it in your, like, concealed, it was considered a concealed weapon, and you could it was a misdemeanor grade crime that could be also be used to, if you had a prior misdemeanor, just like in New York State, it could be elevated to a, a felony. So we're thinking about having a... Uh, until we get it changed, we're thinking about having a, a monkey fist buyback pro- program. What do you think about that? <laughs> be careful what you say, because even even what was attempted to be somewhat tongue-in-cheek, I mean, admittedly, I'm what, what happened. I'm serious. Well, I, I was talking, though, uh, what was it, yesterday or Wednesday on the program about machetes, and people thought, oh, you're you're joking about machetes and, and that, you know, People, you know, the National Machete Association was going to start having protests, and obviously, well, I think a, I think a monkey fist would. First of all, machetes are legal in New York State. Monkey fists are not. So, um, I'm serious. If, if anybody has a monkey fist, 
well, we're going to have a buyback program so that um, they don't get arrested for, uh, you know, what many people use as a keychain or different reasons. They they don't know. They don't know that this is a weapon. And uh, But ironically, um, well, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But yeah. Someday, someday, someday you can anyway. tell me. Give me right. the, the full background. Anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting. So refresh our memory about how... How many years did you actually live in Hillcrest? Because you've touched on that before. Didn't yeah, you live in Hillcrest before you, you wound up going down to uh, uh, further your education in, in New York City? Yeah, I, I lived in Hillcrest from, from uh, I actually kind of, I lived in Hillcrest all through high school. Then I went to Wagner College, and then I, uh, my parents lived there till 79, and then my father moved to my parents moved back to Philadelphia uh, because that's where he was from. He he came up here on a he was a Campbell soup. He never got a high school education, but he was a big guy, very you know impressive stature and very fun guy. And he, did he work at the Campbell Soup plant in Camden? Yes, making and the that, tomato no, soup. Was, you know the Camden no, River. No, he was a salesman. Okay, well the the Camden River. Runs red because of all that delicious soup. <laughs> I know. Well, I guess I don't know that for sure. But I don't anyway, think it does anymore, but it used to. But uh, he, I had, I found when after he passed away, I was going through a lot of his papers, and I found this thing where they said three he three he interviewed for three M company after being a salesman for, for Campbell Soup, which uh, he wasn't making that much money, and uh, he. Uh, 3M company interviewed him and they said, you know, this guy has no education, no something, but he's got something about him that we, I think we should give him a chance. And he became, uh, they gave him the territory, uh, upstate New York territory, all the way to Buffalo. That's when they moved up here in the forties and he became the best industrial salesman in the whole country. And, uh, so he did that without a high school education. So he's a very, very well-read guy, read a lot. He's actually did some acting uh, in local little theaters and stuff, and he was um, a really good guy. Hey, so, Matt, Matt I- from Binghamton, you want to hear? You want to hear a lie? Yeah. A guy left a message, and he said, "Bob, you're a Democrat. I don't care what you say." His name is John from <laughs> Windsor. <laughs> what a lie! I I hate to I hate to call somebody a liar unless it's a total prevarication. But that's a total prevarication. I have never been, and I think I never will be a Democrat. Again, I, I made the caveat earlier this week. If I ever get out of the lucrative journalism and broadcasting industry, that potentially, if I'm no longer a reporter and no longer hosting a talk show, potentially I might run for something. You know, say, I don't know, a village board post or something like that. And I suppose if you run for something, you should be in most cases affiliated with some kind of a party so i would i would contact whatever the party leaders are republicans democrats whatever and see which party would take me my guess is none but um only then might i affiliate with a party i i'm not a democrat you know that matt from bingham i'm not a democrat republican i'm nothing yeah well you're nothing (laughs) absolutely nothing listen to this program if you were something, I would classify you as more as independent. 
Very independent, independent yeah. And not, not a member of the Independence Party, just independent-minded. Right. And I'll tell you, right. I, and I've said this before, I'll probably say it again, I will vote for a candidate who is with any party, or maybe I'll write in a candidate's name. I will always vote for the person who I think is best suited for the job. Well, there's there's a certain person that's in office right now as a judge who I battled when the certain party said they were going to back the Democrat Working Families Party candidate for that judgeship. I I said, I'm going public if you do that. This is a joke. This person breaks the law every day in court by sending people to, to jail for... They, this person used to, I'm not going to mention names, but this person used to... People used to appear in front of this judge and on appearance tickets on time on crimes that the police didn't even believe were um, should that they even should process them with more than an appearance ticket. They used to appear in court on time and this person would remand them to jail regularly if she did uh, if uh, he or she didn't like them. And uh, and. You know, there used to be a rule with the county court judges because you can appeal to the county court judges. Uh, you can uh, that um, about the bail, and as they eventually, both Judge Matthews and Judge Smith said, whenever this happens, just call us. No questions asked. We will release the person. But a lot of times, we wouldn't find out until, say, somebody got remanded on a Thursday. They didn't get seen until Friday or maybe even Monday. On a, for instance, on a violation, which most of them were when they got appearance tickets, the most you can serve is 15 days in jail. The most you can be held uh, pending, uh, you know, even if somebody does try to put bail on you, is five days. And then the same judge would take the position that, uh, oh, I don't read the law that way. Um, I, I think they can stay in more than five days. Well, they can only serve 10 days out of 15 day sentence because you get one third off for a good time. So, I mean, essentially Democrats and working families party were going to support that person. And I, I was the one who was responsible for getting them to change that. And the other person won. So that, uh, and that was a Republican. So I'm an independent too. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thanks for the um, little background about Hillcrest. I'm going to drive right up there. I'm going to okay. drive right up there, and then I'll ask a few questions, and I'll, I'll get the answers. Hope you have a good weekend. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. It's 1124 WNBF, serving America and the world. Just a, a kid from Binghamton with his microphone and telephone. It's amazing. How beautiful it is. You may be listening to us over the radio, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, or perhaps you're listening on a computer, WNBF.com, or even more probable, especially if you're outside New York State, you're listening to us using the free WNBF app. You're always connected with WNBF.
WNBF enjoying life uh, September 2nd, which by my calculation means only five shopping months till Groundhog Day. So if you're planning to get me something nice when I celebrate the Groundhog on February 2nd, better get shopping because, of course, supply chain issues. And did you know there's going to be a ketchup shortage and a candy shortage? According to the liberal media. Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Uh, what a boy, what a pretty day it is out. Um, I wanted to talk about um, Joe Biden's speech yesterday. And but but first, before I say that, you know, Bob, I know you got a call that said that you're you know you're a Democrat and this and that. And and uh, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden was talking to <clears throat> people like yourself and the Democrats. Because he knows, and I know, that believe it or not, in this country, there are independent thinkers. There are people that are right smack dab in the middle. But one side doesn't believe that. They believe if you don't believe in how they are, then you're the opposite other side. And it's like, no, there is people in the middle. And Biden talked to that yesterday. He talked about not all Republicans are Trumpers. And they're not. I've met some of them. Well, I'll tell you this, and I don't have documentation, but I submit to you, Vinny from Binghamton, Mm -hmm. it's my theory that most Republicans are not supportive of Donald Trump. I I can't tell you what percentage, but I I believe in my heart that probably about two-thirds of people who have been Republicans all their life don't really like what the guy does they might like some of his positions but i imagine in most case not most yeah probably most cases for most republicans who've been republicans affiliated with the gop for decades i bet that they they find his act hard to stomach i think one of them bob is um right now i mean this is probably one of the biggest snakes over there in the republican party is mitch mcconnell you hear him is there we are putting up some pathetic people the governor of Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz, all these goofballs that are like, what the heck? Where did we get these people? You see Carl Palladino, thank God, New Yorkers, they, they, the Republicans, they got him. No, 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 no. And then you heard the guy who beat him talk about this three-ring circus. This isn't going to work. This is not governing. This is not going to make our government stronger. This is not going to make our representatives. We've got to send people there that don't don't basically just talk about change. They know about change. They know how it works. You can't change anything down there unless you know how the thing works. And you got to work together. You're going to have your gripes and stuff, but you got to govern. Stay off Newsmax. Stay off. Listen to all these this craziness, and let's get going. We got we got to move on. I am so at this point, Bob. I am sick to my stomach talking about Trump. But every time you turn around, there he is, comes stumbling in, stupidness. I mean, it's just, oh, please, just go. Just go. Well, I wish him the best in all his future endeavors. Uh, it's 1130. We go now live to the White House with President Joe Biden talking about the future of the United States of America. I know when folks hear such big numbers, they don't think... It's, uh, it's for them. But this is for them. It is for them. Over 500 coalitions applied for these grants. 
from community organizations to philanthropies to labor unions to colleges, universities, all working together from every part of America. That kind of interest is a testament to the need and enthusiasm for this type of investment. I, it took, uh, I, I, I take a look at this uh, as a transition investment. I'm so proud to announce 21 awardees up on the screen here who each receive between 25 million and 65 million jobs to turn their plans into action. And as Secretary Mundo just said, and I guess I wasn't supposed to start this off, was I? Come to think of it. All of a sudden it dawned on me. I was supposed to let her speak first. But estimate these projects are going to result in 100,000 jobs created or saved, over $7 billion in additional private sector investment in these 21 communities. We want you to continue having good jobs in your communities so you don't have to leave, so your people in your communities are displ- aren't displaced. The winners are all here up on the screen, and they're going to empower communities in Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Joe, is that you? Is that Joe Manchin I see? I'm right here with you. Hey, Joe. Joe, good to see you, man. Thanks for what you're doing. Again, live from the White House, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, talking about regional challenge winners to the American Rescue Plan competition. ...in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Louisiana, to lead our nation's transition to clean energy. They're going to empower small manufacturers in Michigan, Kansas, North Carolina, El Paso, Texas, helping them modernize and become part of a supply chain for cutting-edge technologies, advanced manufacturing, biotechnology, aerospace... They're going to empower agricultural workers in Fresno, California, and women in St. Louis, Missouri, pursuing manufacturing careers through quality job training and apprenticeships that lead to good-paying jobs. They're going to support entrepreneurships and small business creation from Native American communities in Montana and to to Tulsa's Greenwood neighborhood, once known as the Black Wall Street that I visited on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. Together, these projects are going to uplift underserved communities and include them as the key parts of America's economic recovery for the 21st century. We're putting people who have been left behind in the past or couldn't be, or couldn't have been lifted out of anything before. They're going to be part of this recovery. They're going to be the ones who are going to be leading the way here. They're going to be the ones getting retrained for these jobs. Take the project in Georgia. I recently signed a number of laws that are going to bring manufacturing jobs back to America and to make sure the future is made in America. Think of everything from electric vehicles to semiconductor chips. Georgia Tech, one of the great research universities, is a leader in understanding how artificial intelligence can be used to strengthen almost any industry. But too many folks, especially small manufacturers in black communities or rural communities in Georgia, can't afford access to the knowledge and the research to be able to capture those jobs, to be trained for them. They can't take advantage of all that technology that can make them, for them all the difference between their business closing and thriving. So Georgia Tech partnered with HBCUs and like Spelman College. And it's 1134. Biden. You're listening to live coverage of with President plan, Biden they're going to take announcing major federal funding for inect economic initiatives around the country, including in Endicott, New York. areas across Georgia to train a whole new generation of workers. Technology experts will provide workers who 
are interested in four to six weeks hands-on training that can make all the difference in their employment. Think of a poultry farmer who might never have had a chance to learn how to artificial how artificial technology can help manage inventory or improve the safety and quality while increasing their productivity. Think of the family-owned paper manufacturer that could never have afforded trying out cutting-edge technologies. But now they're going to be able to. And they're going to be able to grow their businesses. And they can do it without ever leaving their home or their families. This is a game-changer. Take the projections, the project in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I tell you what, I heard so much <laughs> from the from the delegation in, in New Hampshire, from Maggie Hass. Anyway, I won't get into it. But this has been one of the things they've been pushing for a long time, both senators and the congressmen. Their goal is nothing short of becoming a global epicenter for the next generation of advanced medicine. But to do it, they need world-class labs for clinical trials that will attract the most innovative biomedicine companies in the, to locate and create jobs in New Hampshire. I have to say that Senator Hassan and Shaheen and Congressman Pappas, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I know you've been talking about this a long time. We've finally gotten it. And they're going to need to bring struggling communities along in the process. Because of this grant, Manchester is going to revitalize what was once one of the largest cotton textile plants in the world. Right now, 100,000 square foot mill a building is empty and idle, but not for long. Because of this grant, a coalition of city leaders and research and community organizations is going to transform that old mill into a modern marvel. It's going to house advanced science labs that are going to conduct groundbreaking clinical trials. It's going to be the place where they can test biotechnologies and, te and treatments that are going to save lives. And the governor, Republican governors working on it are going to be there as well. For workers, small businesses, entrepreneurs in the Manchester area, it means opportunity. It means jobs you can raise your family on in Manchester, not have to move. Because of this American Rescue Plan grant, they're going to be able to have access to cutting-edge technology and labs that never could have been afforded before. This is going to allow them to compete with anyone anywhere in the world and make sure the supply chain for these new medicines advances Medical advances are built right here in America. It matters. As you probably know, I could go on and on and speak about each of the communities here. But time won't permit. I applaud every community that received the grant and that applied. You're the reason why I'm so optimistic about the future of this country. I mean it. You heard me say it many times before. America is the only nation in the world that can be defined by a single word possibilities nothing but possibilities here that's what this is all about i want to thank you and i'm so i'm going to do what i should have done to begin with turn it over to the secretary to begin this but we've already gone by it so madam secretary the floor is yours thank you mr president uh i think the fact that the president jumped in there right away is a testament to how excited he is right. about this project he's fired up and he's committed to it and that's because he knows. He knows that we have to be investing in every community in America to help with the transition. So let me fill in a few of the blanks about how this program is going to work. And then we're going to have a discussion with a handful of the 21 awardees. Um, first of all, congratulations. If you are one of the 21 here, 
You are the cream of the crop. Your applications were fantastic. And congratulations to each and every one of you. The president and I are so proud of you and just thrilled to be able to work with you. Uh, I have to thank you, Mr. President, for your leadership. Everybody should know that uh, this was the president's idea. I mean, as he said, the American Rescue Plan was passed 17 months ago. $3 billion of that came to the Commerce Department to do economic development. And we decided to put $1 billion into this Build Back Better regional challenge. And it's because the president directed me to make investments in communities to help communities revitalize themselves and get ready for the transitions in our economy. Because he fundamentally said people want to work where they live and they ought to be able to do that. And so that's what this is all about. Um, we believe every single American, no matter where you live, ought to have an opportunity to have a high-paying, family-supporting job in that community. And that's live from the White House. You heard President Biden talking about the 21 regional winners of federal grants. The New Energy New York Coalition is one of the 21 winners. And the plan is to have research and development and manufacturing of lithium-ion batteries at a hub with operations that would include... Endicott, New York, regarded as the birthplace of IBM. So there's something to look forward to, and we will see what happens in the coming months and years. It's 1140, live for you on a Friday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. WNBF on a Friday morning with Bob Joseph. When you come back down, girl, still ain't feeling right. Don't it seem like kids just keep getting harder to find? And all your kids ain't bringing you peace of mind. Before you find out it's too late, girl, you better get straight. No, but not with kicks. Not with kicks. Try tricks. That's the cereal you want. <laughs> it's WNBF with Bob Joseph at 1144. WNBF, hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Hi. Where are you calling from? My name is Lynn, and I'm calling from Hillcrest. On the camp up on Franklin Ave Extension, I used to be a neighbor up there, and the camp was blooming and blossoming. And then through the years, the people that went to that camp died out. And so, and then other people moved. So their finances and their attendance of the camp went downhill and then they couldn't make repairs. So that's why it was condemned because vandalism started happening up at the campground. 
and the police were called. Then the town of Fenton was brought in and told the camp they had to do something about it. And because they couldn't do it financially, get the buildings back up to code and stuff like that, they had to close it. Just for your information. So what year do you think the camp was last used? It was used about two years ago, right before COVID. Oh, really? That recently? Yes. Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, that's that's helpful. I, I do appreciate your uh, calling to add some more background to the um, to the camp story. That's that's yeah. something that I I intend to uh, look into further, and maybe we'll see what the future might hold for that because it sounds as though it might still have some promise. Um, I think they're like you said. I think they're going to be auctioning off because they sent a letter to all the because there's some beautiful cabins up there. If you can drive up there, go for it. Um, there's some beautiful cabins, and um, they have told all the cabin owners to get all your stuff out of your cabin. And um, there is a church in the area that comes up and mows to kind of keep it presentable. And they are going to be auctioning it off. But, you know, it would be a good place for a retirement home, a huge community park. But it's beautiful up there. <laughs> Lynn, thank you for calling. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. 1147 WNBF. You ask, and we get answers. Almost instantly. Almost instantly. Not as fast as maybe you want, but... Pretty darn fast. Still time to get in under the wire. If you have any holiday weekend wishes you'd like to share with people around the globe, 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph on 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Texting and roll. It's the holiday weekend. Bob Joseph celebrating responsibly with you on WNBF. Friday night, starting off a holiday weekend, 607-772-1290. Hope things are going well as you start your Friday. I think the weekend is going to be quite relaxing. A lot of people regard it as the unofficial end of summer, and it does feel that way, even though we have, oh, I would say still another two months of fairly decent weather for the most part. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Sunny today, 
This afternoon's high 81, partly cloudy tonight. Low 58, partly sunny tomorrow, high 86, partly sunny Sunday with a chance of showers, maybe a few thunderstorms in the afternoon, high 84. And Monday, Labor Day, partly sunny, chance of showers, maybe a few thunderstorms in the afternoon, high 78. And right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 69 at News Radio for America. WNBF, WNBF.com. Just so you know, Our president, Scranton Joe, is still carrying on about the uh, the big winners. Everybody is so excited, and why shouldn't they be? The big winners in the um, contest. I guess it's a contest to receive federal grant money to get economy, the regional economies and national economy going again. It's... um, Right now he's talking with people in Detroit who have been approved for a grant. So sounds sounds promising. I know people want to trust but verify. People want to see what exactly happens. Because when you start talking about millions of dollars, look, for example, in New York State, they approved millions of dollars, $10 million, say, for Owego, or $10 million, say, for Endicott. Well, bottom line is, if you get money, whether it's a million or $10 million or $64 million, if you get money, you have to figure out how to spend it appropriately. You can't just say, oh, look at all this money. Let's go have a party. No, you have to be very careful about how you use the money. It's not just supposed to, oh, well, that means this year's holiday party is going to be the biggest bash ever. No, that's not how the money is supposed to be spent. The money is supposed to be spent to improve the economy, to come up with better energy strategies, for example, if you're going to try to develop new battery technology, use it appropriately. Don't just say, oh, I know what we could do. We could give everybody a battery cl- a battery of the month card like they used to do at Radio Shack. There was a lot of concern by the UAW about robotics. All right. I, was just, I just had to jump in there and see if President Biden was saying anything about us. Apparently he's not. Robotics. Not this station. This, not this talk show, anyway. Robotics. That's not the future of America. The future of America is its people. Remain competitive internationally and still get a lot done. All right. So he's talking... In this particular case, he's addressing his comments to people in the Detroit area. So, ultimately, we'll see what happens. By the way, if you want to catch up on some other local news, we encourage you to check our website, WNBF.com, because WNBF.com does have a lot of information, not just about federal grant money, but also 
some other things that are going on. I'm working on a couple of very interesting stories that you'll see on WNBF.com this afternoon. So I would encourage you to check the website. It's local news. It's relevance. It's about your hometown. So I actually go out and talk to people and then ask a few questions, get a few answers. We have uh, actually a story you'll find interesting. A pretty significant project at an unused building. And people will say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. Well, you will in a few hours when you check it out on WNBF.com. That's your source for real news. I'm Bob Joseph, a Friday morning from WNBF. Mission accomplished. I am very pleased with what we did over the past five days. Thank you so much for your assistance. We couldn't have done it without you. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. I'm Bob Joseph. You are listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.